0: Well, now this side of the church is left. <laughs> Thank you, Bibles more to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I I'll tell you, this Friday, we went to the ball field. Uh, Obi had practice, and Genesis had a t-ball game against, it was parents versus the kids. And uh, one of the cutest things I ever saw. I got to see one of the greatest baseball players in the world hit a bat hit a ball off a tee it went about that far Ain't that right john (laughs) but one thing that really got to me is this man came up when we first got there he introduced himself and he said how do you do and then told me he was from what church he was from and, and he was passing out tracks and he was had he had ten of them. He said, "I'm gonna pass out ten tracks to ever people I, I meet and invite them to church." And I said, "You know that's pretty awesome." So I'm wondering how many of us be willing to do something like that. He just walked up. Didn't matter. He didn't know any of, of us. And of course, he gave you a bag full of candy along with your track. Just it was it was a just it, it really got to me. But the question when he said, "How do you do?" You know that's something we walk up. People, you ever notice? You often say, "How do you do?" And last thing you really want them to tell you is how they're doing. You know? I mean, it, 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 it's a greeting that we have that, that nobody really wants you to answer because you want to say, "Well, today I just don't feel that good. My my, my ears hurt. This hurts. That hurts." And you know, you keep them there for a year and a half, telling them everything's wrong. But it's something we tend to do. How do you, how how do you do? And today, the title of my sermon is, is How Do You Do? And in Ephesians chapter 6, and actually in 5, Paul had been talking about relationships and, and, and the walk and, and the things that they were supposed to do. He talked about marriage, and he starts off chapter 6 talking to children and telling them to obey their parents. But I want to go to the verse 5 through 9, and he's talking to servants and masters. And he says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to of the flesh and with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever threatening that your master also is in heaven, neither is there any respect the person with him. So he's talking to these basically everyday people, and he's telling them how they're supposed to work, how they're supposed to live their life. And he says, when you do something, you do it with all of your heart. You do it with everything. As if you're, you're not doing it to the one who's above you, but you're doing it to the Lord. So in a, in a way he said everything you do every day ought to represent the one whom you claim is your Lord and master, your Lord and Savior. And, and so I got to think about that question, how do you do, but it, it's not that age old question, that formal greeting, but here I'm gonna ask you, how are you doing in your service to the Lord? Because as we come into this season of, of Easter, you know, we can get caught up on <clears throat> on everything that goes on around us. The world, it's amazing how the world has got caught up in Easter, but it's more about a bunny that gives eggs, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You know, I, I, I remember when you'd get your Easter vest on and you'd go to church and, and, and then you, you you spend time with family and then it got to well, well mama, daddy's going to church so we go to church with them. Well, now people just get up, get dressed and they might not go see mom and dad. Get up your dress. Go out a hide Easter eggs. And we've lost the whole meaning of what Easter is about. And as a child of God, this ought to be a time that we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, "How do you do? How are you doing? How are you serving the Lord who gave everything for you?" And as we celebrate this most holy time of the year as we celebrate the fact that our Savior went to the cross, carried mine and your sins to the cross, and died on that cross because of us. How are we doing to serve him? You know, every day you get up, you you might not be this great evangelist, you might not be able to sing, you might not be able to do this, but God's called every one of us to do something. And, And let me tell you, whatever it is, do it with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, even if it's just being a child of God in a world that needs to see what a true Christian is. Amen. And, and that ought to be our, our service. And, and I got to think about that. I said, you know, it's time to remember that, that we're called here, as he said, to be servants and to be stewards. You know, a servant is someone who serves. A steward is someone who has given something to watch over. And if you're a child of God, God gave you something. He's given you eternal life. What are you doing with it? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse one and two, he said this, he said, let a man so count of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it was required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So Paul said, hey, you've been given something. You have a mystery that's been given to you. You are given eternal life and forgiveness. How are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? You're supposed to be found working with it. You know, as a steward would take care of it, are you glad for the gospel that's in your life? Are you using it? And I I like what he said. He said that a steward needs to be found faithful. And you know, in the day and time we live in, that's something that's just an odd thing in it, to be faithful. We live in a society, it's all about me. It's all about mine. It's all about what I want. It's not about serving others. It's not about taking care of them. It's what can you get? You know, a steward someone who's given something and they take care of it. And and the word tells us that you gotta be faithful when you're doing it. So my question, are you faithful today? You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it it, it says this, it says, but without faith, you hear that? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. <clears throat> you think about what he's saying. He said, "If you you know, and, and, and you say, well, well, preacher, I believe in God. But do you have that? How does it show in your life? You know, faith like that shows. You can't come to church on Sunday and be holy and righteous sitting in the pew, and the minute you leave, go back to being world. Because that's just not being faithful, that's being a fake. It's being faithful. See, he said we need to be found faithful. It, it is impossible, and let me tell you, God knows everything you do. He knows every thought that you have. You ever thought about that? Yeah, I mean, how many of you have ever had bad thoughts? Anybody ever get mad? Besides me, you know, if you don't, just go to Walmart for a few minutes and you'll find out what life's all about. But, you know, you you think about this. We get mad. I mean, we think some horrible things sometimes. And God knows your thoughts. That ought to have every one of us in the altar every time we see one. Just be, Lord, I, I, I need to be more faithful to you in my thoughts. I need to be more diligently seeking you. Because listen, one it says he that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How many? How, how often do you seek the Lord? How often are you after him? You know, I I, I think about this. the The word faith here that that is in Greek is pistis, it, and it, it it means conviction of that which is true, especially in relationship to Jesus. <laughs> How is your conviction of the truth of Jesus Christ in your life? You know, what you're convicted about shows in how you act, how you dress, how you look. You see, I had a strong conviction of a love of food. And and it's easy to tell. How can you go? I love food. I despise exercise. So, I mean, it shows easily. You realize that your love for Christ shows just as easily in how you act, how you talk. Oh, you could come to church and you could fool everybody. But it's how you live when you're outside, when you're at work, when you're around your friend. It, it shows how faithful you are. You think in verse 2 of chapter 11 in Hebrews, yeah, I like what it says. It says, it tells us that, That The faith elders had, they retained a good report. It says, for by it, the elders obtained a good report. Their faith showed, and people talked about it. Does people talk about you being a Christian? Do they they say, well, I'm not going to talk that way in front of him or in front of her because I know it visibly, visibly upsets them? Or do they use those four-letter adjectives just, just plainly with no thought of who you are? Because they don't even know that you go. You're one of those undercover Christians. You know, it's not a secret society we belong to. It shows. Do you show your faith by doing what God expects out of you? You know, if we're to be that servant or that steward that's faithful, you got to realize that God has called us not only to be faithful, but to purity. You get to purity. You say, "Well, well," and, I, and I'm not just talking about sexual purity, as so many people would put here. But I want you to listen to this. Paul said in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. He said, "Finally, my brethren." Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whether these things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report, If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. How's the purity of your mind? What what goes on in there during the day? You, you, you think about this. The word pure here in, in, in Hebrew in Philippians chapter four. This is heganos, and it means exciting reverence, sacred, pure from every thought, immaculate and clean. Do you focus on that? You can think of this. If you turn on the TV, it's hard to have pure thoughts. If you go out into the world, it's hard to have pure thoughts. What you put in is what stays in. It's like a cancer. It's like if you eat too much of something that's bad for you, it eventually shows up. And so let me ask you a question. How's your purity today? I got to thinking about it. I said, you know, the key to purity in the society we live in, in this fast paced, drive through, microwave type society, is patience. How many of us have patience? I mean, you think about it. How many of you fly off a handle quickly? Has anybody had a quick temper? I mean, you got to raise your hand. I'll go ahead and raise mine for you. You know, things just get to you like that. And and, and it, it happens so easily. But the Bible teaches us that patience is important, but it's hard to come by. You know, I always hear people say, don't pray for patience. I'm going to say, yes, pray for patience. Get it from the one who understands it the best. James tells us in James chapter one, verses two through four. I always think these verses are kind of hilarious the way he said it. He said, my brethren, count it all joy. Be happy about it when you fall into diverse temptation. Oh, I, I, that, I don't know about y'all, but when a temptation comes and I'm struggling, to, I'm not going, Whoa! I'm so glad I'm here. And he says, count it as joy. He said this, the reason why you do, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. He says, when you can handle the temptations and the trials and the tribulations that come, you can build patience. Then you want to count it joy. God, I know I can go through this. Why? Because you taught me patience. Because I understand what grace is, I know what love is. I know you're with me through everything I'm going through, and I'm so glad to know that you're right here with me. Amen. And listen to the next verse he said. He said this. He says, "But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be in, may be perfect and entire, wanting Nothing. You you, you think about this. Patience can get you to where you can handle things. Patience can get you to where you're that steward that God's called you to be. That you're faithful as he calls you. You know, I I realize in my life, sin tends to happen when I take shortcuts. You ever done that? I'm going to try to hurry things along. when went, Temptations come, or something like this. Then, I, and I get my priorities outlined because I'm trying to handle things instead of waiting patiently on the Lord. You know, uh, that that that's a verse that comes back to me so many times. Psalms 40. I waited patiently on the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. I I, I forget so many times how God taught me patience. And when he taught me that patience, that verse was the verse that he gave me. And it, and it, and all the time, God uses it. He says, do you remember waiting patiently on me? But I'm like, but God, don't you understand? I got so much going on. I need to hurry. And he says, that way you need to wait patiently because I'll come when you do. And, and, and I, I try my best, but But I I get my my priorities out of line. Let's remember what James said. He said, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. You know, we spend more time desiring things, wanting a quick end to something or, or, or wanting this in our life. How many of you have ever bought something and then right after you bought it realized, I really didn't need that. About, about two months ago, I saw a shirt I wanted. And I said, man, that, that looked good on me. But what I was thinking, I ordered it. it evidently, I didn't read what I would, I just looked at the picture. That thing won't fit OB. <laughs> It will cost me more to send it back than it did to buy it. And I said, hmm. if I would have waited patiently and read what I should, this, this desire, the more I looked at the shirt when I am holding it up going, this is ugly. I don't need no more healthy and ugly. I got that damn. And I just and, and then, it's like, if you wait, if you were a little more patient in your life, some mistakes wouldn't happen. If you were a little more patient in the way you looked at things, you might not make rash decisions. If you were a little more patient, maybe your mouth wouldn't hurt people's feelings. If you was a little more patient, maybe God's blessings would be there more instead of, you trying to pick up pieces of things you tried to do and not wait on God. You know, we need to, to realize that, 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 that we are a wonderful child of God and we have a, a Lord that looks at us, who gave us a precious gift. And he continues to do that. Are you patient with him? We need to practice the words that Paul said to the church at Philippi in chapter four, verse 11 and 12. When Paul said not to speak in respect of want, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therefore to be content. To both know how to be a base and how to abound everywhere in all things i instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. You know, if we would wait on God so many times and let our emotions come down. you ever got mad and made a decision on an emotion and it changed your entire life? Sometimes we need to realize what Paul said. We need just to wait and go, Lord, I'm going to listen because I know that I need to be full and I need to be hungry at the same time. We'll listen to him and quit trying to make decisions on our own. Maybe we'd be better off. (laughs) Not only are we called to be a servant and steward with patience and faith, but we're also called to be a witness. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. The word witness here is martis. It's where we get the word martyr from. And it's a legal sense of a witness. It it means that you, you know, many of us sometimes say, well, I'm a witness. I, I sit and I watch. And I watch and I sit. But the witness that Jesus is talking about is one who gives testimony to what they see. You see, God didn't call us to sit. He called us to go. He called us to be a witness. You know, you might not be able to teach. You might not be able to sing. You might not be able to do a lot of things, but you can share what God's done in your life. You know, that's one of the greatest testimonies in the world is when you got saved, you think of what you were and what he makes you. You say, well, preacher, I don't have a hellfire brimstone testimony. Do you realize that more people need to hear those than a hellfire brimstone testimony. Because there's a lot of good people out there. But let me tell you, hell's gonna be full of good, good people who need to understand you still need Jesus in your life. Man. Man. You know, we we got God doesn't just, just just save you and tell you to go, He equips you with the ability to go be a witness. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. He says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, least any man most. Listen to this for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has ordained, before ordained, that we should walk in him. God said, I saved you. I gave you a gift, and I created you to do something. You think about that. Everybody has a gift. Everybody. What's yours this morning? Do you know? Say, well, preacher, I, I really don't know. Ask somebody else. Because I guarantee you, somebody knows they can see it in you. I wonder why you can't use it. So we're we're created through good work. You ever think how God creates you through good works? One of them, and a lot of you will understand this, is through afflictions. Anybody in here ever gone through something horrible? Anybody in here ever struggled through something that just wore you out? But the only reason you got through it was God? Do you realize that that's something God's given you? In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4 says this Who comfort us in all of our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherein we also are comforted of God? If God helped you through it, He did that so that you can tell somebody else when they start going through what you've been through. Hey, let me tell you, God will get you through it. How do I know? I've been there. I've been there. And let me tell you, I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be rough, but you'll make it through it. And let me tell you what I'll do. I'll go through it with you. Because I've been through the valley. I've been through the shadow of death. I know what it's like there. He comforts us. you think about this, he comforts the downcast. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6, it says, Nevertheless, God that comfort those that are cast down. You ever think about that? God's there for you. Are you there for God? <coughs> Another way he equips us is through the gifts that he gives. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith. You think, but If God calls you to, a, to prophesy, if He calls you to preach, then preach. If He's called you to sing, then sing. You yes. know, if He gave you the gift of singing and you don't use it, you might lose it. You, you, you think, Let me tell you something. I know we, we've been down in numbers and we don't have a lot of people. We filled up the choir a lot. We might be singing to two people. But how many of you just would like to come up here and join us on a Sunday morning? You ain't got to be asked. Y'all just come on. We got plenty of room up here. You come join us and sing with us. Because I'm sure Jesus would love to have somebody to carry a tune instead of me standing beside you. What about this? How many of y'all can teach? You say, well, I'd love to have Sunday school back. Well, guess what? There's a bunch of rooms back here. Start it. Don't wait on me. Don't wait on me. Start it. Get some people together and say, hey, let's meet before church and go back here and we'll study the Bible. We'll study some verses. We'll just get together and pray. But somebody started. Amen. What about going out and Disney people? You, you, you think, well, well, don't y'all do that? Hey, I work too. And sometimes we work all the time, so I, I always can't. You got time, go. You got a phone, use it. I mean, how many of you have called somebody lately and just say, hey, what What about? What about, what about your sitting with the kids? Get burnt out sitting there with the kids every Sunday. Take time. Just one Sunday. Do something. God's given you the ability to do it. Use it. I mean, he, he equips us through the gifts, and you got them. You can't do nothing else. You know what would be awesome? Just pray. Do the whole service. You sit back in this room back here. We'll open this door. You hear things we say. And while we're out there, pray that God make a move in this service. That somehow come to the altar that needs. it. That somehow come down here and bring a burden that needs to be shared. Do what God does, because He quests us through the doors that are open. You think about this: God is the potter, we're the clay. I mean, you you, you look back at at, at that verse. You find it right quick. I've just scattered my papers everywhere. I'll just flip over Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10. Listen to this. For we are his workmanship, created unto God and the good works which he has ordained. Won't you stop and meditate on that? We're his workmanship. We were created to do something. You don't think God's not going to open a door for you? That He's going to give you a chance to use it? God don't just say, "Hey, you know." He didn't call me to preach and say, "Well, well, I'm going to let you just sit there." He opened doors for me. Yeah, you know, I wonder why me, God? Why I can't do this? I don't like people. God said, "I'm going to change your heart." God, I'm terrified to talk in front of you. all might realize in high school I took F's and almost failed my senior year in English because I didn't want to give an oral book report. I didn't like the idea of standing up in front of me. I, I guess I was Pentecostal because when it come out, it sounded like I was talking to tongues. And, and the teacher said, Well, just say something. I, said, I couldn't do it. God, to preach. But he did it in an awesome way. First, he put me with children. And let me tell you, you want to meet somebody who's brutally honest? Go teach some kids. They'll tell you. <laughs> then he put me with a bunch of heathen teenagers. And I do mean heathen teenagers. I had one to get kicked out of, out of places because of what they did. We couldn't go back. Then he said, I've called you to preach and I've equipped you. I've opened the doors. Go through it. Go through it. As he says in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. He says, I know thy works, and I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and has kept my word, and has not denied my name. God says, I know you ain't got a lot of strength. I know you ain't got a lot, but I opened the door for you, and nobody's going to shut it. When you go through it, guess what? I'm walking through it with you. Because I'm equipped. I still that three points to go, y'all. But I want you to think about something. The question comes back, are you willing? God says, how do you do? Are you willing to do what God wants you to do? He quits you. He goes with you. He gives you faith. He calls you to purity. He's given you a job. You think about something. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You want to know what he did for us? That's it. What are you going to do for him? Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The word deny is aprenemia, and it means to forget oneself and one's self-interest. When you become a child of God, God's more important than anything else. How do you do? I want to say I do it with all my heart. All my mind and all my soul. But a lot of times I know I don't. So a lot of times I gotta say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, give me some fresh oil. Give me, give me a desire to get started again. Have y'all ever suffered burnout? You ask Brother Curtis, He's, he knows we do, don't we, brother? There's times I don't want to get up and preach. There's times I get tired, I get If you don't believe me, ask my wife say he's the most wise human being in the world things go good and he finds something bad to look at let me tell you you can get that way but what you gotta do is keep focused on the one who gave you everything he had and say Lord give me something more fill my bucket up and have a hole in it give me a little more strength today give me a little more zeal today Draw me closer to you. In this time of the year, as we get close to Easter, now's not the time to get burned out. Now's the time to get excited. Now's the time to stand up and say, Hey, Lord, here I am. Send me what you want me to do. I'm ready to do what you want me to do, and I'm here for you. Let me tell you, you got a problem, you got a burden. You need to be jumping up and running to the altar right now and say, Hey, Lord, I need this help, I need a little strength. I got a problem. You say, Lord, I got somebody in my life I know that needs you. You need to be an altar. You just say, Lord, I just want to tell you I love you. You need to get, be an altar and tell them. Stand up, raise your hands, shout to God say, I love you. Do something. Because God says, How are you doing for me today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today. Father, I pray right now you'll start a revival in us that we'll get excited about what time of the year it is as we look forward to that blessed day when we celebrate your resurrection. Father, some of us just need to be resurrected today. We need to be woken up. We need to be shook up. Lord, I pray right now you have your way in this invitation, Lord, those that are watching us right now, they're on their knees. Lord, they're not waiting. They're doing what you tell them to do right now. Have your way, Lord, name, I pray. If you stand to your feet, we will going to sing, page
1: Eleven. Eleven, as we sing, you will obey the Holy Spirit. me, <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> 64. In the red book? In the blue book.
0: So put a smile on your face and realize that God is still in trouble no matter what everything else looks like. God, so if you have a blessed and wonderful week, y'all come back and be ready for next Sunday. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Y'all realize that? Boys are getting here quick. Getting here quick. Be much in prayer. For this month, our services, this month, things that God <coughs> was he just continues to lead. And guys, y'all pray for the sick of our church. We got a lot of people that are sick. Y'all remember Doris is still in the hospital. My mom's sick. I'm just glad you got the contacts with me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Julie's brother. I want y'all to pray for Julie's brother. <laughs> he's got he's got a stomach, his stomach has quit working. Mom's gonna go into the feed tube again. And the tube to relieve pressure. So y'all know that's what mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Richard Robinson, do so y'all remember him and his family? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got so many that's going through so much. Look at each other. You'll see somebody here today. Give them a call. I love you. just want you to know that I love you. <coughs> Before you leave today, tell somebody I love you. My sweethearts, you'll be talking all day. Hey, that I love you. Tell somebody else too. Hey, will you close us in prayer this morning, brother? Right, Father, we thank you for another beautiful day and another beautiful Sunday to come in and worship your dear Lord. I also pray that as we leave
1: this church, to take your Holy Spirit with us to share your beautiful love there. <coughs> we'll go with us, lead us and guide us and direct us toward the right. Jesus name I Amen.